Students, I have one word for you. Trash. Wait, we're going to be talking about my midterms today? Okay, welcome to No Offense, Daily Brain's official opinion podcast. My name is Keisha Fadimiti, I'm the Daily Brain's opinion editor. And no, we're not talking about Omar's midterms today, but we will be talking about something very, very fun today. But before we get to that, I just want to introduce the crew with us today. So let's go around and introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm Omar Saeed. I'm an opinion columnist. I'm Sam Smoot. I'm also an opinion columnist. Yes, so we have a new crowd with us today. Uh, Abhishek could not join us because he's doing other stuff, but that's all right. We have fun topics and we will forget about him until next week. Yeah, tough luck, Abhishek, if you're listening to this podcast. But today we are going to be talking about trash. Like, like actual physical trash, like waste trash, specifically the UC's Zero Waste by 2020 campaign. So this is basically, you know, as the name specifies, you know, the UC has been trying for several years to reduce waste on campus. And the campaign is ostensibly doing well, like, we're near zero waste, we're never going to have trash again, right? Sam's giving me a very funny look. I, I think he has different thoughts. Not quite. Uh, the reason I actually got interested in this is because I would go around campus and I'd have my trash and I wanted to know where to throw it. And I noticed that all the trash cans said zero waste. And I'm like, well, uh, you know, I don't need to worry about where I'm throwing it. It sounds like we're pretty close. But in actuality, when you measure, when you, you, you talk to the administration about what their goal is, their goal is specifically waste diversion, which is means you place trash that goes into, say, recycling or compost into the right place versus into a landfill. So on that measure alone, we're at 63%, which is not zero waste. Uh, They're aiming for 90% as their goal. But this alone doesn't actually measure various other metrics, such as reduction in waste and uh, other ways of monitoring waste. So this we're we're really not anywhere near zero waste in, in, in what a layperson would define it as. Wait, so you're telling me that in two years we will not have zero waste? Definitely not. There's no way that we can get absolute zero waste in two years. That is actually a bit underwhelming. Basically, Sam wrote a column earlier this week about the realities of zero waste. And, um, you know, like you said, UCLA is focused on moving trash from landfills to not landfills. Uh, Omar, what do you think about this? Um, I don't get it. Like, what's the difference between trash and not trash if... If we have a ton of recycling and it takes just as much energy to deal with as it did to deal with the trash, why do we care? Well, I think, I mean, I, I totally agree with that, that there's, it should be, there, it's, it's a more in-depth discussion than most people understand because recycling is not actually waste-free because you have to produce energy to recycle it. And then also it comes to the, the more nuanced points, like the fact that if you were reducing waste, you would have less recyclables, less compostables, and this would... In, in the end, produce less trash, but the diversion rate would go down, and that would seem to suggest that we're doing poorly when in reality we aren't. So you're telling me they want us to have more more trash and not less? Well, they they want to make it appear that all the trash we have is going into the right place and therefore waste is not occurring, and that is not the same thing as having zero waste in the end. So how is UCLA better diverting its waste like is it like we're suddenly taking everything that's in the trash can and dumping it into the recycling bin i, I don't see how that works from the I, I would have liked to have uh more time to talk to the actual um waste haulers the uh, athens management i think is the one who deals with our waste because uh, they have the data on the actual audits but from what i've heard the main policies are 
number one, just clearly labeling things and making sure it ends up in the right place. But I, I mean, just as a student going around campus, I know that it doesn't always end up in the right place because I sometimes don't put it in the right place. So I've always wondered what happens there. Uh, they have some sort of sorting facilities with, and they have some data on the, the efficiency of these. The more efficient ones are around 90%. The less efficient ones they didn't give a number for, but are, they said were substantially lower. So there's no real way to tell that all this trash isn't going to be wasted in the end. So as, as far as I understand, though, that UCLA is using more recyclable and sustainable materials, though? Or is it just like we're still, using, we're still wasting the same amount of stuff? There definitely is a shift towards it. Like, for example, Rendezvous, from what I've heard, I didn't get a complete confirmation. They, they said that they thought it was. From what I see, it seems to be that they're using 100% compostable and uh, uh, for various, you know, their, their bowls, their forks, the containers. Uh, and one way you can tell by that is that they have only composting inside of Rendezvous. There's no other way of disposing it. So that's their way of trying to make sure that all the waste goes to the compost rather than people having to sort it and going to the wrong place. Uh, they have a recycling program. Uh, the composting I noticed on the way here because I got food, because one problem is say you eat at Rendezvous, but you don't eat it there, or you get the food there, you don't eat it there and you walked to class like I did, I couldn't find composting on the way. I just saw landfill and recycling. So there's not always an option to throw, even if they do offer uh, recyclable or compostable options. I'm with him on this because I go to Ronde a lot. It's one of my favorite places to eat. And I just take my food and go. And usually I go back to my room, my lounge or something, and there's no compost bins around. And I didn't even know I was supposed to compost my Ronde stuff until just now. So The composting for Rendezvous, they definitely don't have the clearest labels on all of their things. Uh, They have labels of various. I looked at it the other day. They'll they'll say, like, if it's recyclable, PL something, a number. But most people aren't well-versed in these these standards. So I think, personally, there should either be, you know, a sign when you walk into Rendezvous saying, like, this is all compostable or a very clear compost label on the actual uh, container. So I guess this this raises the question of just, like, what does good waste management look like? So I think people are, I I was very much under the impression that zero waste by 2020 was like, there would be no waste by 2020, which obviously is like ideal, but like we get somewhere like comparably near it, right? Like 0.1% trash or something, but that doesn't seem to be the case. So Sam, what do you think like good way of waste management is, or or, uh, the most effective way of waste management is besides just like waste diversion or is waste diversion the best way of doing it? Well, I I think there's like two parts to it, which is one, there's the actual methods of diverting and reducing and and, and, and like dealing with waste in general. And the UCLA is actually doing a pretty good job with this. They have various programs that are are looking into ways uh, to reduce trash. They're finding ways to to teach people to put it in the right place. So they're doing all right on that end. But the other end is kind of the the more publicity end where they, they want to make UCLA look good and you know, California is known for being very uh, recycling conscious. And on that end, they could definitely do more to tell people what exactly is going on behind the scenes. Because if you were to visit the zero waste, it is a very small page with a couple metrics on it that don't tell you a whole lot about what's going on. And like you said, uh, most people would be left with the impression that we're much closer than we actually are and that they don't have to put in much effort. So I guess this, this brings us to the million dollar question of, what does this mean for students? Like the random Joe Schmoes on Bruin Walk who are like eating their chips and stuff. Like, like should we be doing something by 2020? Should we not be doing something by 2020? Is this something the university should be doing? Can we just keep eating avocados and stuff and throwing peels wherever we want? Sorry, we're just really obsessed with avocados for some reason. 
part of the publicity is that there should be more pressure on the student body because the students really can impact how much trash is reduced if they put things in the right place or they choose, say, to, you know, if you're going home with your ronde and you have a fork at home, then, you know, you don't take the fork with you because you know that you can use your washable fork. So there's all sorts of things like that, which would definitely improve it. But people will not be incentivized or pressured to do this if they think that we're very close to attaining it with their current behavior as it is. So I think the students, they are doing efforts to, to educate students on how to do this, but students need to be more aware of their um, habits with consuming and disposing of various waste. I still don't know what compost is for what it's worth. I don't know what the difference is. I don't understand what they do with compost versus landfill stuff. So as far as I understand, compost, at least on the hill, is taken to a center that's like a 40-minute drive or so from campus. I know it's because um, the very first editorial that I wrote was about composting and uh, how UCLA, well, you, what UC Irvine does with its compost is it takes it to a facility that creates like a, quote, a bio smoothie. Think of it as like this like power smoothie that like can, I think they mix algae with it and somehow are able to conduct electricity. It's crazy stuff that it's really cool. And so, like, you know, we asked UCLA back in 2016, yo, like, are you going to do this? And they're like, oh, no, we we compost stuff. And the composting facility is, like, 40 minutes away. And they sort of put in the composting facility, and then the compost facility does something with it. Um, Presumably creates fertilizers. But I don't really know. We're in Southern California. Like, we should be growing cacti, not, like, crazy flowers and stuff. Aren't they just wasting a whole ton of gas driving compost to that facility? I guess, yeah, this this brings up a good point about waste management, which is like what Sam was hinting at, which is what do you do with the waste, right? So you can, if you're diverting it, then that's not necessarily, that's getting rid of, like that's put of, putting the waste somewhere else. But like the net, net, the net waste being, you know, wasted. Wow, so much waste in this one sentence. The net waste being handled by the city or the country isn't changing. It's like economics. There's like no free lunch. In this case, there's no lost waste. So in that case, it seems like just diverting would sort of put the onus on other organizations to handle the waste. Um, There are also waste to energy conversions, in which case that itself takes, consumes energy in the process. So there's no really like full carbon neutral way of getting rid of waste unless we all just like stop eating and just like sit there and breathe. Although I, I presume... Breathing also causes waste because carbon dioxide. Wow, we are such wasteful creatures as human beings. Yeah, that's, I just feel like overall there's not going to be a time where we're ever really going to achieve zero waste, even if we do produce, uh, because there really has to be both a, a production of, of renewable and sustainable technologies, but there also has to be people who understand how to use these. And even if you do, like you said, recyclables are not 100% efficient, you know, they, they, they take energy. And composting, you know, composting is actually interesting because you could, like, you were talking about the the power smoothies. I hadn't read too much of that, but I actually talked to one, uh, it was part of the, the SAR student or sustainability action research group. Uh, one of the program directors was telling me about a similar program that she was advocating that was in, in small scale right now, but they actually would turn these composting and actually produce power from it, which I thought was very interesting. But as of right now, with the technology we have, there's no way we're ever going to achieve a completely waste-free system. There has to be a bigger shift overall. So in reality, zero is zero waste by 2020 just a catchy slogan for us all to rally behind? 
I'd say yes, as it as it stands. Like like and this is like an open this up to all you guys. When you walk and you see zero waste on a trash can, what do you think? Like what what do you think is gonna happen? Like by twenty twenty. I think they're gonna make it happen. I'm. I always assumed that the whole zero waste thing was happening on their end and not my end. Usually, whenever I see zero waste on a trash can, like I only look for a zero waste on a trash can when I have trash in my hand. And I think about should I put it in the recycling bin? Should I put it in the trash can? And I'm like, you know, if I put it in the trash can, I feel bad. And I put it in the recycling bin. And I have this like notion that UCLA will somehow magically take care of it, and then I'm doing some great good to the society because I put it in the blue bin instead of the black bin. Yeah. So it it, it really comes down to uh, i'd say what's good for publicity and what good, looks good in reduction efforts and and uh diversion efforts so what 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 will the university like to publicize the world about what we've done versus how much we've actually done and there's definitely some sort of dissonance between those two uh i, I personally think that we should focus less on the catchy slogans and more on the programs and you know like, it, it, you could compare it to, like, the protests you see now where, like, people didn't go out until Donald Trump was elected. So maybe, you know, they need someone to come out and say, like, we're doing a poor job when it comes to this specific aspect of waste. Maybe people will come out and say, yeah, we have to do something about that. You know what's a better slogan than zero waste by 2020? Zero textbook fees by 2020. And honestly, it's probably an easier thing to do anyway. Wait, what if we just got rid of all textbooks and it was, like, zero waste from textbooks by 2020? I love it. That's amazing. Let's go with it. Okay, UCLA, we have your, your next publicity campaign. Zero textbook waste by 2020. At least we'll actually make that goal by then. We'll be back after a short break. So we're all journalists, right? Well, at least the three of us here. And one of the main things about journalism is you go and talk to random people and you get their viewpoints and you learn about their experiences and occasionally you quote them. Maybe you don't. But at the very, le- like, very least, you're meeting new people. Omar, before this podcast, was like saying, you know, what are, what are like the weirdest interactions we've had on campus? And that sort of got us thinking. And I want to take this moment for us to appreciate all the weird things that we've seen on campus. Um, so Omar, why don't you share your story first? Uh, so yesterday I was out and about getting quotes for a column I'm working on, and I saw this guy, and he was just walking along this green rope that was tied between two trees. So I could tell the rope was it had slack in it, so I knew he was slacklining, but I didn't know why, and I didn't know why he was doing it in the sculpture garden either. So I went and I talked to him, and he was actually one of the most interesting people I've ever met. So he was there with his girlfriend. They've been together three years. They're both seniors. So it's like a whole love story. They met slacklining at UCLA. It was really impressive. And anyway, so he was a CS dude and we were talking about sexual harassment and he gave me the best take on sexual harassment that I got all day is he knew what he said all the right things. He said that if men didn't know what they were doing and if they were sexually harassing women when they were trying to flirt, maybe they should just shouldn't be flirting at all. Maybe they should take a break and reevaluate their lives and what they're doing. I'm just surprised by the slacklining part. Like, wh- wh- where did he find, like, two big trees 
to slackline. Like, I know UCSD has, like, a ton of eucalyptus trees, but, like, UCLA doesn't immediately, like, yell and scream trees to you. So these were about two medium-sized trees in the sculpture garden. I'd say they were about 50 feet apart. So that's, like, how long this rope was that he had set up. And he said that it was his favorite place on campus to slackline because it was the only place where he could set up such a long rope. So it's the only place he can slackline. I know that there's also actually slacklining in Jan's steps sometimes. And I only know that because I was sitting there trying to get some reading done and I could not because I just kept watching them and thinking that I wanted to do that. They're they're very, uh, the people running were pretty nice though. They're like everyone who came by would join in. I just, I I was afraid of embarrassing myself. (laughs) So um, that was actually the same guy that I'm currently talking about. Because I, when I talked to him, he told me that he frequently like sets up on Jan's steps and they talk to people and bring people in and stuff. Wow, small world. Darn, I didn't know slacklining existed. Wow, I've, I've lived three years at UCLA without enjoying this facility. Okay, Sam, what, what's the weirdest interaction or the most interesting interaction you've had on UCLA? So the other day, I was actually coming back from the Daily Bruin office, and I was uh, walking down after some edits, Bruin walk, and I was going back to the dorms, and I passed by Wooden, and there, over there, I'm sure some of you have seen, there's usually a woman playing a guitar, and she's pretty happy, upbeat, singing, I don't really know what the whole deal is, it seems to be some sort of, I, I thought it would be some sort of Christian organization, but I really like haven't talked to her enough. Anyways, I was walking, and I was on my phone, and she started following me and, and trying to give me a flyer. And I didn't actually even read the flyer was, but I just wasn't interested. So I told her I wasn't interested. And then she said, do you want one for Emma? And I was, I had I, been texting. Emma's my girlfriend. I'd been texting her. So I was like, oh, maybe she saw my phone. But I looked down at my phone and it was the group chat for my roommates. And I have no idea where she got that from or how she knew I knew someone named Emma. And it really freaked me out for the rest of the day. And I told her and now she's freaked out. We don't know what's going on there. Uh, that was probably one of the weirdest experiences I've had. Wait, are are these Bruinwalk people like clairvoyant or something? Like, do they have magical powers? Like, what? I was definitely left with that impression, and now I think that I have to have to go actually get that flyer and read what it is because it could be some kind of magical power uh, facility or some 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 organization. I have no idea. I just want to know more about this. You should write it up or like go talk to the woman and find out how she knew, man. I'm I'm gonna go back and start asking her about world events and see like how much I can like you know verify like see 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 if she gets it right. Then I'm gonna start asking her like lotto numbers. All like I'm gonna get the whole lot from her. Magical people on UCLA's campus. So now on to my story. Um, this was back in the prehistoric days, like Cenozoic era, like two years ago when Daily Bruin was trying to pass a referendum. If you don't know, in 2016. Student media was trying to pass a referendum. There was like a three dollar fee once a quarter, so you basically pay nine dollars, so like three cups of coffee, um, to fund student media, right? And you know the editors were asked, and editors and prospective editors were asked to campaign, uh, basically pass out flyers to you know let people know that you know facilities like Bruinwalk dot com and you know you see the radio and whatnot are all funded by student media. So I was sort of. On Bruinwalk, like being actually one of the Bruinwalk, like Bruinwalk flyers. Yeah, I think flyers. I want to say harassers, but that's yeah. that's that's a, that's a bit too serious. Like <laughs> I was just passing out flyers. But in any case, I was one of the Bruinwalk flyer people, so like people were like running around me or like v lying away from me, right? And um, you know, I, I had this. I I think I camp- I campaigned about fourteen hours over a course of two weeks, so that was pretty bad. Like I was I was mentally done out of it because nobody wants to approach like a big brown guy with a beard. Who was trying to pass out flyers saying, you know, save Bruinwalk and stuff. Um, so I was there were a lot of rejections, but I was fine with that. You know, it was great seeing people and whatnot. Um, 
I also got to pet a lot of dogs, but I'll talk about that another time. Um, and, uh, you know, I typically had the slogan along the lines of, like, you know, save Bruin Walk, save your grades, um, save the Daily Bruin or something, right? Because then people would hear Bruin Walk, grades, and Daily Bruin, right? And one time somebody walked up to me and went, is Bruin Walk going to get destroyed? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it, it might lose funding. He's like, you wait, like, like actual Bruin Walk, like the, the bricks and stuff. And I was like, no, no one's coming and picking up the bricks from Bruin Walk, but the website is going to be destroyed. It might, it might go down if we don't have funding. And he's like, oh, okay. And another guy came up and he's like, is Bruin Walk being taken down because professors don't like it? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't, I presume professors like it, but I don't think like Dream Block is trying to like, you know, conspire to get rid of Bruin Walk. Which would be kind of really funny if he was trying to do that because Gene Block just seems like such a nice person that he doesn't even care about Bruin Walk. Like, I bet he has a Bruin Walk when he used to teach classes back in the recession days. Wait, what did he teach? So if you don't know, Gene has um, – he, he did his, I believe, doctoral thesis in uh, circadian rhythm. So he studied sleep. And so he taught courses in the bio, in the life sciences department in like 2008-ish time when like we were all getting screwed over by the housing crisis and stuff. I did not know this. This is shocking to me. I've only met him once. It was the first day that I was moving into campus, but that's a story for another day. I actually had heard about this. I was surprised. I have never met him. The closest I got is when I was covering the library opening, and he uh, failed to cut the ribbon with the scissors. <laughs> it took a really long time. They had like comically large scissors, and they, it just didn't work out. So then they brought out little scissors, and then it still didn't work out, and then someone else just cut it. So that was, that's my experience with Gene Block. Wait, are you telling me Gene doesn't have magical powers to cut ribbons? Uh, n- maybe, maybe, but he doesn't perform well in front of crowds, as far as I can tell. Maybe he was trying to act like us lowly human beings, just so he wouldn't embarrass us. He didn't want to any- anyone to know about his uh, laser vision that he could cut it with if he so pleased. He's, he cares about us so much. I guess to to end it off, my Gene Block interaction, since we're talking about Gene Block interactions now, wow, we've deviated a lot, but you know, it's Gene, like, you know... You gotta bring in Gene Block whenever it you can, comes right? Back to Gene Block. I feel like that's an AC Slay reference that AC Slay doesn't even know about. But I digress. Um, I met Gene Block twice. Uh, the first time I actually saw him on Bruin Walk, or actually three times. First time I saw him on Bruin Walk, like he was walking across Bruin Plaza, like hastily typing away on his phone, and I was like, that man looks like Gene Block. He has a phone? And I was like, wait, administrators are human beings too. They can have cell phones, right? The second time I was standing near Schoenberg, and I saw Gene Block just race past me again on his phone, and I was like, wow. He's really busy. What's he doing near Schoenberg? Like, doesn't he not leave Murphy Hall? And then the third time I met him, because we had a quarterly ed- editorial board meetings with him, I think I shook his hand. It was, it was a very soft hand. Like, he, he maintains his hands. That sounded really weird, but I'm talking in terms of moisturizing your hands. Gene Block, if you're listening, what moisturizer do you use? We all want to know. Clearly not the ones I use, because my hands are rugged mess. <laughs> okay, I think we've weirded ourselves out with these interactions, but... You know, stay curious, UCLA, and meet people when you can. You know, you never know when you'll meet the new magical person who can tell you your future. Um, We'll catch you guys all next week in our next No Offense podcast.